0: Hi, this is Richard Watts, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Smart Arts, a weekly radio show bringing news, reviews, and interviews about the arts. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Thursday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Now, if you picked up a copy of The Age this morning, uh, you may have seen the news that. What we've been wondering for a while, what would the result of merging Melbourne Festival and White Night become? What would it be called? What will it do? I'm joined on the line by the festival's co-artistic directors, Hannah Fox and Gideon Oberzanek, who uh, have a bit of an announcement to make for us. So uh, good morning to you both. We finally get to reveal the new name of your new festival. Good morning,
1: Richard. Good morning. Uh, Yeah, it's a very exciting day for us. you know, a slightly strange way to be doing it. We're, you know, sitting in uh, my lap at the moment, but it's very exciting.
0: So um, I might get you, Gideon, just to tell us the name of the new festival and what that name represents, what it means to you, but also then to Hannah uh, in terms of, I guess, the, the, the kind of resonance that the, the festival title has.
2: Yeah, so Rising is really about the idea that the festival is really coming out of Melbourne. Um, rather than being something that's being imposed on, on the city. Um, I mean, we're really interested in, in what is Melbourne now, you know, a diverse, creative and progressive city.
1: Mm. And we are also, you know, been really um, curatorially looking at themes around the night and really centering the festival on the nighttime. So we're thinking about, you know, the, where it takes place being bookended by the moon rising and sun rising as well. So. It's, the two
0: kind of elements to it. And as we know, because of the impact of COVID-19, uh, events in 2020 have been uh, cancelled or postponed until 2021. So the inaugural rising will take place in Melbourne from the 26th of May to the 6th of June. And it's I understand that As part of today's announcement, not only are you revealing the new name of the festival and indeed uh, the uh, new website, www.rising.melbourne, but, uh, Hannah, you also have a $2 million fund to support Victorian artists, both to help them, uh, given the impact of COVID-19, but then also to create work that can then be premiered in 2021 and beyond. Yeah, that's right. So
1: uh, what we've done is worked with our... Partners to redeploy some of the 2020 festival funding towards an immediate investment into directly to Victorian artists to commission new works uh, for the festival for next year. It's really um, we're really fortunate to be able to bring this to Victorian artists and to really uh, create an opportunity that can be actioned now um, and really get to work on on building some unique kind of outcomes for the next festival and we're very much um we're very curious to see what comes back it's a significant fund as you said two million dollars and and tethered to a very real and large outcome we'll be very much you know building the festival program based on that response um i think we've had one submission already so that's quite exciting <laughs>
0: Given that uh, kind of submissions kind of were only announced at what six am today, one, there's an artist out there who's kind of clearly been quick off the mark. Gideon, what are you asking artists to submit in terms of an expression of interest or details of the kind of project uh, that they would like to kind of pitch to you as the the co-artistic directors of Rising?
2: We're really asking for bold ideas, and when we say bold, it's not only scale; it can be anything that is really about. Um, performances, works, exhibitions, events that really work within the festival context. So, you know, Melbourne is a really busy cultural city. There's things on offer pretty much seven nights a week and, and that's it's a great place to be in. But when we have a festival, it is an opportunity to do things differently, do things differently, um, to use the city as a canvas, to use the city as, as, uh, and, and the surrounding suburbs as, as a place where, yeah, that make a difference in that time. So we're looking for works of, I guess, all different styles, um, but we are looking for the unusual and the things that just wouldn't normally happen.
0: So, which is an interesting provocation to make for artists because instead of creating the kind of work that they might normally expect to pitch or to see in uh, a major kind of capital festival event, such as Sydney Festival, Adelaide Festival, to ask them to think differently, to ask them to think about what Melbourne is and respond to the city rather than create the traditional kind of uh, work of scale that might be pitched to another festival program is an interesting approach to make, Hannah. How easily do you think artists will be able to kind of... I guess, shift their thinking, sh- think outside the box a little bit in terms of the submissions and the pitches that they make to you.
1: I, I think artists will, and I, I think and hope artists will be excited by this opportunity and, you know, what we're really trying to do is look at our festival program as more than a kind of catalogue of events and really um, bringing it together and, and embedding it in the city. Um, and part of that is about, you know, part of the vision for Rising when we started talking about it was, centred on the idea that arts and cultures is a, a fundamental part of our way of life. And, you know, the way we're kind of really applying that is about um, embedding art, music and ceremony in public space and civic space and creating as many opportunities as possible public to participate and even happen upon it.
2: Yeah, I mean, Hannah and I are both, you know, we're both practicing artists from Melbourne and we've always had an interest in our work with with the audience and the experience of what does it mean to, to see something to be a part of something? So you know this is a this is an opportunity to be thinking about um, what 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 is what what is happening um, in that space with, with people. Um, so it's not necessarily just a show on. Although you know we're we're absolutely open to that as well.
0: Now, it's interesting to see the comment from Martin Foley, the Minister for Creative Industries, who said that while this festival will be global in its ambition and scope, Victorian artists and creativity will be at its heart. So that would suggest that, you that yes, you will still be looking further afield, as festival directors do, for fascinating and unique and bold international work or work from elsewhere in the country. But in the same way that the Yarra is the spine of the city, that the spine of your festival rising in 2021 will reflect Melbourne and Victoria.
1: That's right. I think, you know, there's really a very clear shift in thinking from bringing the best of the world to Melbourne to turning around to looking at Melbourne as a cultural uh, destination, you know, unto itself. But we also, you know, Melbourne is a very international city and as well as its artists are very international living all over the country and the world. Um, So we're not going to be a strictly Melbourne-only festival, but we very much want it to be born of this place and relevant to this city and a unique experience that you can't get in Edinburgh or, or Manchester.
0: Uh, Gideon, has that approach always been part of uh, your your thinking, the the two of you, uh, or is this more a a kind of a practical response to COVID-19, knowing that international travel and artistic gatherings, uh, even next year, may still be kind of challenged, that we won't be returning to the business of of normal, of flying in kind of 18 different shows from around the world?
2: Well, when Hannah and I first applied, we put forward the idea that... um it, it, it has to be, this festival has to be Melbourne and a part of Melbourne and embraced by Melbourne and reflect Melbourne um, while always being in international in its vision, like a lot of, you know, Melbourne are. So, you um, know, ironic twist of fate, you know, in the current situation we find ourselves in, um, you know, there are certain practicalities about the limitation of international travel and uh, I think in, in many respects we can now really focus on tensions we had, you know, 12 months ago, uh, even more so. But we are working with a lot of international partners for this festival, even for next year, with uh, people on our advisory panel with with this, you know, really big commissioning initiative of $2 million directly to artists now. Um, um, we're working with international partners in regards to what are the kind of co-commissions, co-commissions, co-presentations overseas. So it's a two-way street um, internationally as well. Thing about who can come here. It's battles. to think about our artists, our works, our region—Southeast Asia, New Zealand, Australia—and what are the things that we're putting on the on the table that can go elsewhere?
0: Now, I've already seen uh, one of my artistic friends and colleagues from Adelaide eagerly say, "Ooh, ooh, ooh!" Kind of, can can non-Victorian artists uh, put in an application? Clearly, uh, this is focused on artists in Victoria. Uh, are you open to pictures from interstate if they are working with lead artists from Melbourne or Victoria?
2: We're certainly really opening and encouraging of collaborations between artists from Victoria and around Australia and, indeed, internationally. Um, and if there are artists um, around Australia who have had, you know, a strong practice in Victoria over the last five years and can demonstrate that, absolutely. But, you know, this this uh, this money is coming from the Victorian government... And um, have certainly uh, made it a priority that the stability of the creative sector, and particularly the well-being of Victorian artists, is, is a priority right now.
0: So, Hannah, if Artists who are listening uh, or artists who are reading The Age this morning want to know more details. Obviously, they can go to www.rising.melbourne and click on the, the tab A Call to Artists. But they've got a fairly short window in which to apply. The closing date is Monday, the 8th of June at midday. What kind of material do they need to submit? Are we talking kind of a long, detailed application process, or are you, are you after more of a, a snapshot from artists of what they, they're imagining?
1: We've tried to keep the process very accessible and simple. So the application in the first round is either 300 words or a two-minute video, just direct address about your idea. And what we're trying to do there is just really get to the essence of the idea. And we're expecting thousands of applications, which we'll go through the process of assessing them all and we get down to around 100 um, applications that will seed fund that will then go on to have a much more in-depth process of being able to spend some time on developing a proposal um, which is, you know, paid for.
0: I'm going to be fascinated to see what the results of this kind of call are, given that a it's a, a direct kind of stimulus of the artistic economy in Victoria at a time when it is clearly needed, when artists have been falling through the cracks of uh, kind of federal initiatives to support people such as JobKeeper and Job Seeker. But the fact that it is ambitious and bold, and asking artists to to think about kind of Melbourne, think about Victoria, and think about work that kind of speaks to this place, and in particular. The, I guess, uh, Gideon, that also speaks to the period in which rising will be taking place. So from the, the 26th of May to the 6th of June, kind of evoking winter, darkness, sunrise, sunset, and I believe even a lunar eclipse.
2: That's right, it is. We are uh, opening on a, on a blood moon lunar eclipse, so kind of perfect timing. And we are very much um, artist-led, um, and so this is really a, a perfect way for us uh, in the current we're in to really bring this festival up from the from the grounds up actually from the uh, artistic community in Melbourne that we've been so inspired by and live with so yeah we're very excited
0: I shall uh eagerly await the uh, reveal of the program in 2021. So the inaugural Rising will take place in Melbourne from the 26th of May to the 6th of June. Uh, if you're an artist and you want to put in a, uh, uh, an expression of interest for an ambitious work, uh, go to www.rising.melbourne for more information on the application process. I've been talking to the festival's co-artistic directors, Hannah Fox and Gideon Oberzanek. It's been a pleasure having you both on the show and hopefully next time you can be here in the studio in the flesh.
1: Thank you
0: so much, Richard. It's great to talk to you. Thank you. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. My next guest has joined us on the line to talk about a plan to recreate Australia after the national shutdown to the arts industry caused by the (coughs) COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I am joined by Green Senator for South Australia, Sarah Hanson-Young, who is the Greens federal spokesperson for the arts. Sarah, you've got an ambitious plan to try to help the, the screen sector, the performing arts, the arts across the country. Tell us more.
3: Yes. Hi, Richard. Well, of course, as as you know, and I'm sure lots of your listeners uh, know, just how hard the arts and entertainment uh, sector has been hit by COVID-19, one of the first sectors to really feel the brunt of the various health restrictions, which, of course, were really important, um, but come at a cost Uh, to many small businesses and uh, individuals and small traders. Um, And the double whammy of both the tourism, hospitality and the arts sector, uh, just kind of the ecosystem has been so uh, thrown off course that we really desperately need a way forward out of this uh, COVID crisis, the governments, of course, uh, put in on the table a number of different uh, kind of support packages. Uh, you know, JobKeeper. They've increased the Job Seeker rate. I know many of the state governments, and particularly in Victoria, have put money on the on the table specifically for arts and uh, creative industries. We still haven't seen anything specific from the federal government, but I'm kind of uh, throwing forward to what. Uh, post-COVID looks like. And if we don't have some money on the table to help rebuild in the arts and creative industry space, then I fear we really do risk losing an entire generation of artists. So I've spent quite a bit of time over the last couple of months while we've been in lockdown uh, talking with uh, the various different uh, organisations representing uh, the different divisions within the arts and creative sector. I've been speaking to many individual artists and creatives directly about how they, um, you know, operate, what types of things they need. Um, and it's quite clear to me that uh, when so much of uh, the job losses are in that sector, um, we actually need a stimulus economic package that delivers directly uh, for the arts and entertainment industry. So there's three key elements. One um, is a Australia um Stories fund a billion dollars to really invest over the next three years to creating Australian stories. So that's um, uh, making Australian stories come to screen, whether it's uh, film, uh, documentaries, uh, uh, kind of television, streaming services, to show that we do have investment in creating Australian stories and keeping them alive. Um, the second is a live Australia fund. We know that the um, gig. Uh, sector has been really, really hit. The restrictions on the numbers of people, so for live performance, whether that's uh, theatre, music shows, whether it's festivals. Obviously, I come from South Australia and we're the the festival state here, so we we call ourselves. um, And I think making sure there is uh, some cash flow for Um, businesses and organisations in the live performance industry so that they can start to plan for what a recovery would look like. Things are going to have to be a bit different. Numbers are not going to be able to resume to the the level that they were before COVID. It's going to be eased in slowly. So cash flow is really, really important. And then the third element is an artist-in-residence program. And this is kind of uh, targeted more specifically to visual artists and uh, writers and authors to have an artist-in-residence in every school and every library across the country. And that uh, proposal really is to try and capture um, this uh, need to engage with young people and the community about the value of arts and creative uh, jobs and workers and the the industry, because I really do fear, uh, without a kind of investment in education, interaction and engagement in the community, we do risk losing an entire generation of young
0: artists. Now, it's an ambitious package uh, and certainly an ambitious plan, but one uh, I would certainly like to see introduced. So, to reiterate, it's a $300 million project for artists in residence in schools and libraries, a billion dollars for Australian content in the screen sector, uh, and then a billion dollars for the festival music and live performance sector. So... All up, uh, a $2.3 billion package, which uh, is significantly more than the $850 million live performance package that the Peak Body Live Performance Australia have called for. Uh, It's... Wonderful to see such ambition, but uh, I do need to point out, of course, as you're well aware, Sarah, that this is not 2010 when the Greens had the balance of power in the federal parliament. (laughs) No. Uh, It's 2020. What influence do you have in parliament uh, and how can you try to see this ambition, this kind of uh, recreating Australia stimulus package, actually realised?
3: Well, it's a really good question, Richard, and I think one of the strengths of the Greens is that we're the ideas party. We can come up with... Um, We can consult with the community, we can be a conduit from uh, what the community needs uh, through to Parliament and through our political representatives to having meetings and uh, getting directly in front of ministers and government departments and uh, department secretaries. And so it's really an opportunity to kind of put those ideas on the table and Um, and be advocating uh, strongly for um, that type of response. Um, Some people have said to me, wow, you know, $2.3 billion, that's a lot of money. And of course it is. But let's put this into perspective. It's only 1% of what the government has already put on the table uh, in the last uh, two months because of... uh, ..in terms of their COVID response uh, for the rest of the country. Uh, 1%. So, I think 1% of what's already been committed um, uh, to actually help rebuild uh, the sector that has been hardest hit and whose workers um, are going to be out of work for a very, very long time unless we have a targeted economic stimulus package, I think is worth it. I think governments have to think about priorities at times like this. And what they're faced with is staring down the barrel of slow... uh, the, the economy slowing down... While there 's money on the table at the moment for job keeper and job seeker and a couple of rescue packages for some industries, not the arts and entertainment because the federal government's ignored them to date um, it comes September uh, those programs are going to come to the edge of a cliff, and all of a sudden uh, we 're going to see more people uh, lining up for uh, uh, kind of um, income uh, support uh, in lining up in that dole queue, we're going to see more businesses close and unemployment is going to get even worse. The figures already are devastating. And just here in South Australia, we lost 40,000 jobs in the last month alone and a big number of them uh, within the, the arts and entertainment sector. And it's the same across the country. So the government has to uh come up with a way forward how do you deal with this looming economic crisis the slowing of uh the economy and the soaring unemployment rate and in this sphere we know that there is a big group of people who are about to hit that cliff let's put in place a plan and a way forward um and it's not it doesn't have to happen uh, all of it doesn't have to roll out all at once. This has uh, been structured to kind of go over three years to give certainty and to give cash flow. And, um, look, I'll keep fighting for it. It's a good idea. Um, and, uh, you know, whenever um, uh, you, you, you're in the midst of a crisis, it's often the person or, or the group that has um, a good idea first on the table that can kind of run with it. So um, let's keep advocating. Let's keep pushing. The government is going to need answers. And at this point, they're not coming up with many of their own.
0: Have you seen any indication from the federal government uh, that they would would show any interest in the kind of art support package that uh, the Greens are proposing, given that even the Federal Minister for the Arts, Paul Fletcher, voted down or voted against uh, the ALP proposal, for example, to extend JobKeeper to cover more people Mm -hmm. in the arts sector?
3: Mm -hmm. I think it's really starting to um, become an issue that, Liberal and National members are being asked about. I think up until now um, the government's been able to ignore it, and you know that's obviously a political decision of them. I think they've taken a decision, uh, a position that um, uh, they would concentrate on kind of more of the uh, harder edged uh, jobs in the economy uh, and and not touch the the kind of creative side. Um, now with hundreds of thousands of people out of work and that climbing and, um, you know, liberal members uh, in marginal seats right across the country, I think this will start to be an issue that uh, continues to haunt them and they're going to have to come up with something. Um, I've had a number of discussions with the Minister for Arts, Paul Fletcher, um, and, uh, you know, while he's listening, um, he's not really doing, and I think it's, at some point um, that's just not going to be sustainable. Um, at the end of the day, we're talking about Australian workers who are out of work, out of jobs, and are, you know they're going to be um, relying more and more on government support through um, a job seeker. Uh, the government has a choice. Uh, you want to keep people in the dole queue or do you want to give people a job?
0: Well, we will have to wait and see uh, whether the government do listen, but uh, certainly uh, the Greens' plan of a $2.3 billion kind uh, of recreate Australia it looks good on paper. Uh, we can only hope that the ideas are picked up by the other parties. Uh, because,
3: I was, I was just going to say, um, Richard, I think you know a big part of this is making sure that there is strong advocacy for the arts and creative Australia in the parliament, because that's... Um, if you're silent on these things, if you don't push it, if you think, oh, it's all impossible, um, uh, you know, the, the value of the sector becomes less and less and less. And who who gets the money instead? It ends up being uh, the mining industry or the fossil fuel industry or uh, the aviation industry. You know, there are a lot of people out there with their hand out um, and, uh, you know, it's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease.
0: Senator Sarah Hanson-Young, thank you for joining us on the program and thank you for advocating for the arts in federal parliament. It's much appreciated. Thanks, Richard. (laughs) Woo! Ah, that's right. Triple R. If you are at home, you and perhaps the kids are stuck indoors today and you're wondering not only how to pass the time, but kind of... How to replace the absence of live performance, live theatre, and the power of make-believe in their lives while you and kids five and over are cooped up indoors. Well, have I got something for you. Mountain Goat Mountain is a theatre experience designed for families with young children that can be played in your own lounge room with just a few props. Joining me on the line to tell us more, the co-creator of Mountain Goat Mountain, Tali Corinne. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, Richard. Thank you. So, I'm intrigued. This notion of kind of trying to not recapture live performance but to create some an immersive theatre game that kind of families can play at home, where did the idea for this begin?
4: Look, um, Threshold, which is the company that I co-founded with Sarah Lockwood, uh, found, started about, um, well, this time last year, actually, as part of an accelerator Um, run through ACME in the State Library of Victoria. And um, we were looking, I guess, we both live regionally, we both have small children, and and we're both theatre makers. So we were looking, I guess, for ways that we could use our skills as theatre makers to create um, the connection that we we missed um, in live performance. Um, but possibly do that outside of theatre spaces. So we've been thinking about it for a while and how we can kind of facilitate moments of connection between people. And one of the discoveries that we made, and I can't remember which report it came out of, was that people visit cultural institutions like the museum, like the theatres and galleries, just as much to catch up with each other as they do to to see the works so we we kind of were like well it's really interesting that, that that cultural institutions have been in places where people connect um, and so yeah so I guess putting those two two things together we wanted to get yeah, to to find a way to for people to connect in their own homes essentially
0: so and I love the fact that this sense of connection instead of I don't know uh dad on the iPad, mum with a book, (laughs) one child on uh, watching TV and another child with another iPad or something. This is a chance to play together in a 45-minute active imagination that taps into some of the the simple aspects of imaginative play but in a way that is kind of like loosely structured as in the, the same way that a a theatre event that you might go to for to watch for 45 minutes is also structured. So you've created narrative, but opportunity yep. for play for children.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for the feedback, because we've been doing some testing in the last month, you know, kids are natural at just jumping in and... and and, you know, the floor is suddenly lava and they're on the couches and they're, they're um, engaging in that imaginative play so quickly. So, really, it's um, a chance for adults to reconnect with that playfulness and that make-believe and for them to connect with their children on that level, which is um, what we as actors do <laughs> um, you know uh, so yeah it's a it's a really great opportunity for everyone to be joined in an activity together absolutely
0: now if people listening want to know more, this is being uh, kind of presented here in Melbourne uh, by Art Center Melbourne yeah so, so if uh, Go to the Arts Centre Melbourne website to the community and families pages and just look for Mountain Goat Mountain. I won't read out the full URL because it's a little bit complex, but you can easily search (laughs) the Arts Centre Melbourne website uh, and you can find uh, the details about Mountain Goat uh, Mountain. Tickets are just $12.95 for a 30-day access family pass, which is, I have to say, pretty darn good value
4: is. It's certainly cheaper than taking everyone to the theatre,
0: that's for sure. So, when people register the uh, what they need to play, and again, you've you've kept this simple and easy. So, uh, you will need a charged audio device of some kind, a phone, a tablet, a computer, yeah. a bed sheet, uh, the bigger the better, a piece of blank paper, and uh, your favourite texters, pens or pencils. That's pretty basic equipment that everyone should have access to at home.
4: Absolutely. And that's one of the challenges and and kind of delights, actually, of of working this way is kind of limiting what we can use because we need to make sure that everyone's got it in their own homes. We don't want any barriers to people participating in this. Um, You know, one of the thresholds aim is to make sure that our work is accessible as possible. Um, And so, yeah, so we've tried to keep it... Fairly simple, but that's the great thing, right? Imagination expands everything in such delightful ways that you don't need much.
0: Now, once people have registered, they uh, go to the threshold site. You'll be provided mm-hmm. with kind of, uh, a password and, uh, and and the entry code. Um, and one of the first things I I realised as I started listening to some of the introductory instructions was that not only is this a game to encourage imaginative play for children five and over at home, but instead of an adult talking them through how to begin the process a child who sounds about their own age is talking them (laughs) through the process.
4: Yeah, that's Henrietta Mettler. Um, She's, uh, we're actually, all of the creative artists who've worked on this are based out of Kyneton in um, Victoria, central Victoria. Um, And she's just got the greatest, warmest, uh, voice. It's been so lovely to, to hear her. But I guess you know we wanted to make sure that people uh, that that young the young people who do this feel empowered to take the lead as well, um, and for parents to be able to learn from from their children or grandparents in some instances, and get to learn from the children that they're connecting and creating this world with.
0: And also. The uh, other thing that struck me, uh, that again delighted me, I have to say, is not only can we get some introductory uh, advice about about costumes, for example, um, <laughs> about props, but then the the key instruction is remove your shoes.
4: <laughs> well, well, th- I, we talked about how the parents conflict between siblings and parents. You know, you want to play with your kids, but then they jump on the couch with muddy shoes and you have to turn into the parents. So eliminating some of those um, points where people might have to to shift out of that playful moment uh, into more of a parental mode, we wanted to kind of eliminate some of them right from the word go.
0: If you've just tuned in, I'm speaking with Tali Corinne, who's the co-creator, one of the co-creators of Mountain Goat Mountain. It's a theatre experience for children five and over that uh, your kids uh, or the kids uh, you are caring for can play in your own lounge room at home to not replace the theatre that you might be missing, but to stimulate creative play and imaginative play, kind of, at home now. I'm given that, as I said, when people register, um, they uh, get a 30-day access pass. How often can people play this game, and how? What have you observed from, I guess, the play yeah. testing and the development in terms of, uh, kind of like, can we do it again tomorrow and the day after and the day <laughs> after? And how long does it stay fresh?
4: Yeah. Look, I have to apologise to all of the parents and carers out there. Like, there we we have uh, heard that there have been multiple requests. For, um, for it to be played over and over again, and and we've also heard that the sheet tends to hang around uh, in the house in various in various guises for for a period of time afterwards as well. Um, look, it, it, um, it, I guess it, it can be played as many times as you like. Is is the short answer, and. Um, We've also heard, you know, that, that while parents may set it up and play it the first two, three times, that the siblings, you know, if there are siblings or if friends, you know, in the olden days when the friends used to be able to come over, um, that, that that might be something um, that can be explored as well. But we absolutely, this is absolutely made for family units, for adults to do with children. And so while that might be a nice little um, add-on to do further down the track, we really encourage parents to step into the, into the world with their children.
0: Given that uh, this uh, has been developed and created by Threshold with the support of Arts Centre Melbourne, Mm -hmm. Adelaide Festival Centre's Dream Big Children's Festival, uh, HOTA, the home of the arts up uh, and the Gold Coast, and the awesome (laughs) International Children's Festival, um, it it really feels like... I'm kind of guessing that uh, for Threshold this is... Are you expecting this to go global?
4: Look, um, it's been live now for just on a week uh, on our website and um, we have already had sales in Singapore, in the UK and in the States. So we're absolutely looking to expand into those markets. Um, I'll be honest, Richard, we have had some technical glitches um, in regards to um, please don't try and do this on your Safari browser yet. We, we're realising that we've got some issues there that we're madly trying to work out. Um, so once we've got it really bedded down, we will absolutely be looking at international markets. Um which so, is really exciting.
0: So uh, Firefox is a good browser
4: to use, for example? Firefox, Chrome, um, yeah. And some Safari browsers are working. Of course, it's not, unfortunately, it's not as simple as just seeing Safari across the board. It's, um, it's complicated. And we're theatre makers, so <laughs> um, all of this is code to us.
0: Well, if people, as I said, want more information about uh, registering and playing Mountain Goat Mountain, an at-home theatre experience for families to play together, uh, go to the Art Centre Melbourne website for more information, yeah. uh, au. Uh, it's an easily navigable site. If you can't see a link on the on the front page, you'll be able to find the details of Mountain Goat Mountain easily. Um, it went live uh, a week ago on the 14th of May. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and as I said, it's suitable for children five and up. And to buy a ticket for the whole family is just twelve ninety nine, sorry, twelve ninety five for thirty days access.
4: Yeah, and I would say, um, Richard, last night we also added the option of a gift card. So if because we we realised that a lot of grandparents were actually buying it to, to gift to their children and their children. Um, so we've added that as an option as well um, today on the Threshold site, which you will be led to through the Arts Centre site. So
0: Fantastic. Tali, it's been a pleasure chatting to you, and uh, I hope uh, that many, many people start playing Mountain Goat Mountain. <laughs> Thanks so much, Richard. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.